Grace and peace to you, friends. Welcome back to the Oak Tree Journeys. I am Mandy Oaks, and welcome to the Encyclopedia Challenge. What is the Encyclopedia Challenge? Well, that's a great question. The Encyclopedia Challenge is where I read the entire encyclopedia. I don't know how long it's going to take, um, but I'm reading from two different ones. The New Imperial Encyclopedia and Dictionary of 1909 and the Encyclopedia Americana of 1956. So if you've ever wanted to read the entire set of encyclopedias, but you just didn't have the time and you'd rather listen to it, this is for you. If you wanted to learn more about words, this is also for you. If you're just curious about encyclopedias and what they are, this is also for you. So thank you so much for joining me. And uh, last time we stopped at abbreviations. And next, the next word in the New Imperial Encyclopedia and Dictionary of 1909 is abbreviatio placitorum, and that means brief notes of decisions of law cases in King John's reign, the beginnings of the common law, and that one is not in the Encyclopedia Americana of 1956. However, I'm going to read something that is. It says abbreviators, which are officials in the papal chancery having charge of drafting papal bulls briefs, and consistorial decrees. They were first mentioned by John XXII in the 14th century, organized as a college of prelates by Pius II. The group was finally abolished in 1908 by Pius X. Now, if, you'll, if you open any, any encyclopedias, um, you'll see that some have some words and some have other words. Uh, sometimes they match and sometimes they don't. What we're finding out is that's the same in the 1909 and the 1956 version. The 1909 version does not have abbreviators, but it does have abbreviatio placitorum. Um, the next word uh, that the 1909 Encyclopedia Dictionary has and the 1956 doesn't have is ABC, <laughs> which is self-explanatory. But it's the first three letters of the English alphabet, an alphabet, an elementary reading book. All right, and the next word in the 1909 is abd, which is A-B-D. This signifies an Arabic slave or servant and enters with the name of God into the composition of many proper names as abd Allah, servant of God, abd El-Qadar, servant of the mighty God, Abdu'l-Latif, servant of the gracious God, etc. So, Ebed in Hebrew and Sir Syriac. Now, this, this one is in the 1956 Encyclopedia Americana. So, let me just uh, read that version too. Abed is Arab, means slave or servant, a word often used in Semitic pro proper names. Abid Allah or Ab Abidullah, servant of God. Abid Al Aziz or Abidul Aziz, servant of the beloved. Abid Rahman, servant of the merciful one. And we'll go back to the 1909, <clears throat> which is Abid El Qadar or Qadir. Properly, El Hadit Abid El Qadir Ulid Mahadin lived from 1807 to 1883, born in Getna, 
died in Damascus. He was the third son of a Morabout chief of the race of Hashem, who traced their pedigree to the caliphs of the lineage of Fatima. He was born at an institution of the Morabouts near Mascara, which belonged to his family. His father, esteemed a very holy man, died in 1834. In 1827, Abd el-Qadir visited Egypt, where in Cairo and Alexandria, he first came in contact with Western civilization. Religious enthusiasm and melancholy were prominent in his character. He early showed an uncommonly gifted mind. Abd el-Qadir was free from the savage cruelty and sensuality of the Arabs, he maintained purity of manners and did not permit himself to be misled by anger or passion. So he had self-control. Although he firmly adhered to the faith of his nation and even used their fanaticism, he had no sympathy with their fanatical intolerance. When Algiers was conquered by the French, the Arabian tribes of the province of Oran seized the opportunity to make themselves independent of the Turks and elected Abd el-Qadir as their emir who soon established his authority over some neighboring tribes. He then attacked the French, and by bloody battles, December 3, 1833, and January 6, 1834, he forced, them, he forced from them a treaty. In the interior, his power was spread by victories over neighboring chiefs, and he became master of Miliana and Madesh. All the cities and tribes of the provinces of Oran and Tatiri acknowledged Abd el-Qadir as their sultan. The distant tribes sent him ambassadors with presents. Soon hostilities broke out between him and the French. The first operations of the French general Tretzel led to that fatal retreat in which the French army was attacked at Makta in 1835, June 28th, by Abd el-Qadir's whole force, nearly 20,000 cavalry, and suffered a disgraceful defeat. After a struggle of six years, Abd el-Qadir took refuge in Morocco, thus drawing upon Morocco the arms of France. After the decisive battle of Italy, or excuse me, I'm sorry, that's not Italy, <laughs> that's Isli, in 1844, the Sultan gave up Abd el-Qadir's cause, but soon found Abd el-Qadir at least his equal in power, and that he could not even prevent him from attacking the French again, in 1845 October and 1847 in March, but he was defeated in a bold night attack on the Moorish camp in De on December 11th and was compelled to flee. He might easily have secured his own safety, but he would not abandon his attached followers, men, women, and children, to the plunder and massacre of the Moroccans. After a heroic combat on December 21st, he effected their retreat across the Muliwa into the territory of Algeria, where they mostly surrendered to the French. Abd el-Qadir, with a few horsemen, resolved to fight his way through to the south, but failed and surrendered in 1847 on December 22nd to General Lamour Cusir and the Duke de Emol on condition that he should be permitted to withdraw either to Egypt or to St. Jean d'Acre. The French government refused to ratify this agreement. Abedid el Khmer was sent with his family to Toulon, whence he was removed in 1848 to Pau, and finally to the Chateau de Ambois, 
Liberated in 1852 by Louis Napoleon, he lived at Bruxelles in Asia Minor till its destruction by an earthquake in 1855. He then for a time lived in Constantinople, but finally made his home in Damascus. He was of great service to humanity during the Syrian massacres of 1860. In 1865, he visited Paris in England and was at the Paris Exhibition in 1867. In 1870, he offered a fight against the Germans. He wrote a religious work, translated in 1858 under the title Repel a la Intelligence Avis a la Indifferente. Abdel Wahab, see Wahhabis. Abdera, noun, a town of ancient Thrace whose inhabitants were noted for their stupidity. That's not cool. I wouldn't want to be known for my stupidity. Uh, Abiturite, noun, an inhabitant of Abdirs, a stupid person. Uh, Abiteran, stupid, very foolish, noun, a stupid person. Let's just look at the 1956 one to see if that's in here. Let's see. No, that is not listed in the 1956 Encyclopedia Americana. So that's that's interesting. Um, all right. So the next word is actually another name. Abadir Rahman I, who was founder of the Moorish Emirate, later Caliphate of Cordoba. He was born in Damascus of 731 and died 788. He was a grandson of the Amiad Caliph Hisham, and having fled to Africa, escaped the frightful massacre of his family. See Amiads and Abbasids by Abu La Abbas, a hunted fugitive in the desert, but faithfully protected by the tribesmen who respected his blood and pitied his misfortunes. Meanwhile, Spain was seething with anarchy, each new caliph sent a new emir there. The governor of Africa claimed the right to interfere on the ground that the African governors had captured it. The native chiefs were unwilling to submit to a constant secession of interlopers with no interest but their own, and at last the situation became so intolerable that the Spanish, Spanish Arabs determined to choose a ruler with his residence in Spain. They selected the wandering heir of the overthrown house and seeking him out in Africa, offered him the place. He landed in Spain, 755, on September 25th, and fixed his royal seat at Cordova. His reign was one of incessant warfare. Hossein bin Yaha, the ambassadid Emir, driven from Spain, fled to Charlemagne and implored his assistance. It was granted, and Hussein was re-enthroned at Saragossa, but while the Frankish army was returning through the Pyrenees, the Basque mountaineers fell upon the rear guard and annihilated it in the pass of Ronson's Valleys with its commander Roland. Saragossa was taken after two years' siege. Hossein put to death as a rebel in Spain to the Pyrenees subdued. subdued. A formidable rising in 786 was crushed, and Abadir Rahman had two years of life to devote to the arts of peace and the building of his famous mosque at Cordova, now used as a cathedral, with its rows of 
cupulos supported by 850 pillars of jasper. And we have another name. Um, for some reason, it goes from Abdir Raymond I to Abdir Raymond III. So let's just check. The 1956 version to see if they have anything. Nope, they jump from Abdir Raymond I to Abdir Raymond III, and then it goes to Abdir Raymond. So that's that's very interesting. So let's find out about Abdir Raymond III. The greatest of the caliphs of Cordova, and the first under whom the Emirate assumed the title of caliphate. Born 891, acceded 912, died 961. Measured by what he found and what he left, he must be counted among the ablest rulers of history. The former was a throne to which most of the provin pro provincial governors had thrown off allegiance, and the rest rendered such obedience as suited them, a country in a state of permanent anarchy and civil war, perishing of racial, religious, and factional quarrels between Arabs and Moors, the Fatimite dynasty establishing a great empire in Africa, and looking for a speedy secession in the to the heritage of Spain. On the north, the new Christian states rapidly growing. Alfonso III had recently moved his capital across the mountains to Leon, and Sancho had founded the Kingdom of Navarre, so that, when, so that what escaped the Africans would probably fall into the hands of the Christians. Abadir Raymond first put down the worst internal revolt, that of the family of the old brigand Omar bin Hafsan, whose stronghold in the mountains of Andalusia had become a center for all the renegades, Christians and rebels of the south. He tied the hands of the Fatimites by sub subsidizing the native princes who held out against them. The northern danger was the worst. Ordano II in 914 raided the territory of Merida, and though a Merida had thrown off allegiance to Cordova, Abdur Rahman wished the more to show them that he was their protector. Collecting and equipping a splendid army, in 918 he gained a great victory over the combined forces of Leon and Navarre, following it up with the several campaigns in which he penetrated to Pamplona, the capital of Navarre. These victories were not final, his fortunes were checkered on the Christian side, and he suffered some defeats, but his suzerainty over Navir was recognized. Um, so that's a word I don't recognize. Some will say his sovereignty over Navir was recognized. Um, and in 960, a deposed king was reseated on the throne of Leon by Abdir Raymond's troops. Internally, his success and glory were unqualified. At his death, he left a consolidated kingdom, a full treasury in place of an empty one, internal order kept by a vigilant police, flourishing agriculture based on scientific irrigation, prosperous industries, commerce whose customs dues furnished the majority of the revenue, an income of which one-third paid the current expenses and another third was used for building, and the rest kept for a reserve. The best army in Europe, a superb navy which made him lord of the gates of the Mediterranean, and equality in diplomatic rank with the proudest sovereigns of the world. And <clears throat> all right, let's. Uh, we have time for one more before break. So Abdir Raymond, 
Sorokin chieftain who led an army of nearly 90,000 into Gaul and was defeated and slain near Poitiers, usually known as the Battle of Tours, by Charles Martel. Let's see if there's any other information that the 1956 Encyclopedia Americana can give us. Abdir Rahman, Arab Emir of Spain, died in 732. He led a Saracen army through the western Pyrenees into Aquitaine, sacked Bordeaux, and continued his destructive raids as far as Burgundy. But at the end of several months of fighting, he was halted by Charles Mortel near Poitiers and slain on the plateau of Desay in the Battle of Tours. So that gave us a little bit more information. And now it is time for a quick break. And I will see you in just a little bit. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our break. And uh, our next word is actually a person's name. Um, but also a quick search online shows it means something else. So we'll get into that. But first, let's read what the definition is in the Imperial Encyclopedia and Dictionary of 1909. The word is Ab Abdias of Babylon, the supposititious author of a book called Historia Sertominus Apostolici in which he asserted that he had seen Christ, that he was one of the 70 disciples, that he had witnessed the deaths of several of the apostles, and that he accompanied St. Simon and St. Jude into Persia, by whom he was made the first bishop of Babylon. This book, published at Basel in 1551, has passed through several editions. So that might be really interesting to, to read, and if anyone's ever heard of this person, let me know. I've never heard of him, but I did do a quick search online, and that resulted in this definition. Someone who speaks by divine inspiration, someone who is an interpreter of the will of God. And I found that on www.vocabulary.com forward slash dictionary forward slash abadeus. So that's just a, another definition. So one is a person's name. And another one is just a broader definition of someone who speaks by divine inspiration. Okay, and our next word is abdicate, which is a verb. I proclaim or, or make known to proclaim one's surrender of a thing or office, to give up a right, to formally renounce an office of dignity, abdicating, abdicated, abdication, the act of giving up, a surrendering, Demission, abdicant, noun, also abdicator, noun, one who, abdicative, adverb causing or implying abdication, synonym of abdicate, to abandon, renounce, resign, forsake, give up, vacate, quit, desert, or dement. Okay. And abdication, the act of giving up an office, generally the office of ruler or sovereign usually the result of a vexation or dis and disappointment. It was perhaps voluntary and from being wearied and with dominion that Diocletian and with him Maximian abdicated 305. 
Christina of Sweden retired from the throne in 1654 out of preference for the freedom of private life, but wished still to exercise the rights of a sovereign. Charles V laid down the crown in 1556 because his great schemes had failed. <laughs> so, so uh, he was disappointed that his great schemes had failed. Uh, Philip V of Spain did so in 1724 in a fit of melancholy, but resumed it on the death of his son, Amadeus of Savoy, abdicated in 1494 to become a priest. Victor Amadeus of Sardinia, who abdicated in 1730, wished to recall the step, but was not allowed, so he regretted it. Louis Bonaparte resigned the crown of Holland because he would not consent to treat that country as a province of France. Charles Emmanuel of Sardinia retired from the throne in 1802, not finding himself equal to the crisis, and the same was the case with Victor Emmanuel in 1819. William I of the Netherlands resigned in 1840 as his policy had become impossible from the turn of affairs in Belgium. Foreign force compelled the abdication of Augustus of Poland in 1707, and later that of Stan Stanislaus Leszczynski in 1735, and of Pananski in 1795, as well as that of Charles IV of Spain in 1808, and of Napoleon in 1814 and 1815. Insurrections have been the most frequent cause of abdication, the early history of the Scandinavian kingdoms abounds in instances. In England, the compulsory abdication of Richard II in 1399 is an early example. In the case of James II, it was disputed whether the king had abdicated or deserted. More recent times saw Charles X in 1830 and Louis-Philippe in 1848 retire before the storm of revolution, without the conditions they made being regarded. The abdication of Ferdinand of Austria in 1848 was an indirect consequence of the events of the Year of Revolutions, that of Charles Albert of Sardinia in 1849 of the Battle of Navarra. Of several cases among German princes, the chief is that of Ludwig of Bavaria in 1848. Other instances are those of Sola the Dictator. B.C. Wow, this is B.C. 70. Then Benedict the Ninth, Pope, ten forty eight, Stephen the Second of Hungary in eleven forty one, Ladislaus the Third, Duke of Poland, eleven sixty seven, Albert the Bear of Brandenburg in eleven sixty nine, John Balliol of Scotland in twelve ninety six, Johannes Cantacuzenus, Emperor of the East, thirteen fifty five. John the Twenty Third, Pope, fourteen fifteen, Eric the Seventh of Denmark, and thirteen of Sweden, in fourteen thirty nine, the Second, Ottoman Emperor, in fourteen forty four, and fourteen forty five, John Casimir of Poland in sixteen sixty eight, James the Second of England in sixteen eighty eight, Ahmed the Third, Ottoman Emperor, in seventeen thirty. Charles of Naples on ascension to the throne of Spain in 1759. Joseph Bonaparte of Naples transferred to Spain by Napoleon in 1808, June 6th. 
Gustav, Gustavus the Fourth of Sweden, 1809, March 29th. Oh, <laughs> that's my birthday. Uh, Victor Emmanuel of Sardinia in 1821, March the 13th. Pedro of Brazil in 1831, April the 7th, also abdicated the throne of Portugal in favor of his daughter at once on his accession in 1826. Miguel of Portugal of 1834, May 26th. Leopold II of Tuscany, 1859, July 21st. Isabella II of Spain in 1870 on June 25th. Amadeus I of Spain in 1873 on February 11th, Abdul Aziz, Sultan of Turkey in 1876 on May 30th, Pedro II of Brazil in 1888 on November 15th, Milan of Serbia in 1889, March 6th. In some countries, the king can abdicate whenever he pleases, but in England, since the constitutional relation between the crown and the nation is of the nature of a contract, the king or queen it is considered cannot abdicate without the consent of Parliament. It is, however, said that the king does abdicate, or to speak perhaps more accurately, an abdication may be presumed and acted on by the people if his conduct politically and overtly is inconsistent with and subversive of the system of constitutional government, of which the qualified monarchy of his office forms part. At the conference between the two houses of Parliament, previous to the passing of the statute which settled the crown on William III, the word abdicated with reference to King James II seems to have been used advisedly instead of deserted, the meaning, it is presumed, being that King James had not only deserted his office, but that by his acts of which the said desertion formed part he had, in view of the Constitution, ceased to have right to the throne. From this it may be inferred that abdication was considered to have a twofold political signification involving maladministration as well as desertion. The Scotch Convention, however, more vigorously and distinctly resolved that King James had, quote, forfaulted or forfeited the crown and the throne was become vacant, end quote. And Abdiel is a noun, which means Hebrew servant of God, a good and faithful angel, the one loyal seraph in heaven, according to Paradise Lost, quote, among the faithless, faithful only he, end quote, who withstands Satan when the latter is inciting revolt against God for, promote, for promoting his son over the heads of the angel peers. Milton took the name from the Jewish Kabbalists. And in the 1956, the Encyclopedia Americana, all it says about Abdiel is, in John Milton's Paradise Lost, was the one loyal seraph in heaven. <laughs> so that's all he had, that's all that book has to say about that. All right. And it further illustrates the differences uh, in encyclopedias. Okay. And our next word is abdomen, abdomen, which is a noun. Is the lower belly of the lower belly from abdo, I conceal, the lower part of the belly containing the stomach and other viscera, the hinder part of the body in arthropoda, abdominal, belonging to the lower belly, 
abdominis, having a large belly, that's me, <laughs> abdominales, noun, plural, the soft fin fishes, which have their ventral fins placed on the abdomen behind the pectorals, synonym of abdomen, belly, paunch, stomach. And we have a second abdomen. Let me just grab some coffee first. Last time it was hot tea, this time it's coffee. <clears throat> okay, abdomen. A part of the human body, the trunk of the human body is divided by the diaphragm into two cavities, the upper being the thorax or chest and the under the abdomen or belly. Both the cavity and the viscera it contains are included in the term abdomen. It consists of the liver, pancreas, spleen, and kidneys, also the stomach, small intestine, and the colon. The lower bowel, the bladder, and internal organ organs of generation lie in the lowest part of the cavity called the pelvis. The abdomen is lined by a series serous membrane, the peritoneum, which is folded over the viscera, allowing them a certain freedom of motion, but keeping them in their proper relations to each other, which that's a good thing. <laughs> the abdomen is divided externally by two horizontal lines in into three principal regions, the upper or epigastric, the middle or umbilical, and the lower or hypogastric. These are again subdivided by two vertical lines, the side divisions being called the hypochondria, lumbar, and iliac regions, respectively. The names epigastric and umbilical are then applied to a in a restricted sense in the middle divisions of the two upper principal regions, while the middle division of the lower is called the hypogastrium. And there is a little bitty picture, a little illustration of it. Um, and it's quite odd looking, <laughs> um, very odd looking. But moving on, um, ab abdomen in entomology is the last of the three parts into which the body of an insect is divided. It is composed of a number, number of rings or segments, frequently nine, more or less distinct from each other. It contains a portion of the intestines and sexual organs. In the perfect insect, its segments bear no legs nor wings, but the hind legs of larvae or caterpillars, which afterwards disappear are attached to them. In many insects, its last segments bear appendages of various uses and forms as pincers, stings, borers, or ovipositors, etc. An abdominal ring is one of two oblong, tenuous openings or rings existing in either groin or in the right and left inguinal re regions. Through these rings pass the spermatic cord in the one sex and the circular ligament of the uterus in the other. It is through these rings that inguinal hernia or rupture occurs. And the next word is abdominales or abdominal fishes. In the Linnean arrangement and order of fishes including all the osseous fishes 
of which the ventral fins are placed upon and beneath the abdomen, and so behind the pectoral fins. Subsequent naturalists have thought it right in classifying fishes to give a higher place to other characters, and in the system of Cuvier, the name abdominals is given in order of much more limited extent, a subdivision of the Malacopterygia, or soft-rayed osseous fishes, distinguished by having the ventral fins placed beneath the abdomen and not attached to the bones of the shoulder. It includes the Cypernida, Essacida, Celeridae, Salamenda, Trout Salmon, and Lepidia, which is a heron, etc. Okay, and next word, after I've butchered all of that, is abduce, also abduct. It is a verb, and it's Latin for abducere, to eject from possession by forms of law or by force. Abductus, ejected from possession, from Latin ab, ducco, I lead. To lead or draw from, to separate, to take away secretly and forcibly. Abducing, IMP, abduced, PP, abdu, abducuting, IMP, ab, abducted, PP, abductor, noun, one who takes away secretly and forcibly in, anat, oh, that's anatomy, a muscle that draws a limb or a part outward. Abduction, noun, a carrying away by fraud or open violence, usually applied to persons as women or children. In medicine, a drawing away from. Abducent, Latin abducens or abducentum, leading or drawing away from, abducer, I lead. Separating, drawing back, abducentes, noun, plural, in anatomy, the sixth pair of cranial nerves which supply those muscles by which the eyes are rotated outward. Abduction. In logic, abduction is a form of reasoning in which the greater extreme is contained in the medium, but the medium is not so evidently in the lesser extreme. Example. Whatever God has revealed is certainly true. Now God has revealed a future retribution. Therefore, a future retribution is certainly true. In the use of this kind of reasoning, the minor proposition must be proved to be contained in the major. Abduction. The carrying away of a person by fraud or violence, a misdemeanor punishable by indictment, the civil remedies being by recaption, by writ of habeas corpus, and by an action of for trespass. The statutes of the different states, while varying in regard to the manner of punishment, agree in the definition of this crime and its numerous forms, thus it includes secret confinement or imprisonment without due process of law, also the forcible carrying or sending of persons out of the state, or the inveigling or kidnapping with intent to confine or imprison, such persons. Such offense may be tried either in the county in which it has been committed or in the, that in or it or to which the person thus inveigled, kidnapped, or imprisoned shall have been taken or confined. Consent on the part of the person thus treated shall not be a defense unless it shall be made satisfactorily to appear to the jury 
that such consent was not obtained by fraud nor extorted by duress or threats. In the United States, the word abduction is ordinarily applied to the illegal seizure and detention of a female for the purpose of concubinage, prostitution, or marriage. The punishment for abduction varies in the different states of the Union. The punishment in the United States is lighter than it is in England for this offense. I wonder if that holds true today. For instance, in New York, the crime is punishable by imprisonment for not more than five years or by a fine of not more than $1,000 or by both. Any person who shall fraudulently and deceitfully entire or take away any unmarried woman, quote, of a chaste life and con conversation, end quote, from her father's house for improper purposes, and every person who aids and assists in such an abduction, is deemed by the statutes of most of the states to be guilty of a misdemeanor, for which the punishment is imprisonment at hard labor for from one to two, three, one to three years, or fine, either or both, at the discretion of the court. The take, taking any woman unlawfully against her will and by force, menace, or duress, compelling her to marry any person, is punishable by imprisonment not less than ten years, and the same in case of the act only with intent to commit the crime. The taking away from her father, mother, or guardian of a female child under the age of fourteen years without their consent either for the purpose of prostitution, concubinage, or marriage, is also defined as abduction, and is punishable by imprisonment for from one to, three, one, to two, one to three years, or by fine, or both. Still another form of abduction is the malicious, forcible, or fraudulent leading, taking, or carrying away, or decoying, or enticing away of any child under the age of 12 years, with the intent to conceal and detain the said child from its parents, guardian, or other person having the lawful charge of said child, and this crime is punishable by imprisonment not exceeding 10 years, or by fine, or by both. If the father or mother of any child under 6 years of age, or any other person to whom such a child is confided, abandons the child in the highway or elsewhere, the act is covered by the same statutes that take cognizance of crime of abduction, and the punishment therefore is prescribed by such statutes. In the instance of an unmarried female above the age of consent going with a man of her own volition and with her full consent, an indictment for abduction will not lie. In case of the abduction of a woman against her will and of her after marriage to the defendant with her full consent, it is held that her evidence against her abductor should be allowed and that if she were a competent witness at any time after the commission of the crime, no subsequent assent to its commission can incapacitate her. If a woman be forcibly taken in one country and afterwards goes voluntarily into another country and is there married or defiled with her own consent, the fact is not indictable in either country, the offense not being complete in either. Kidnapping is an offense at common law. It is considered to be the most aggravated kind of abduction and is punishable by fine and imprisonment. In order to constitute the offense of kidnapping a child under 10 years of age, it is not necessary that actual force and violence should be used, nor is a transportation to a foreign country necessary to the completion of the offense. At common law, the offense of kidnapping is treated as an aggravated form of false imprisonment, and all the ingredients in the definition of the latter are, of course, comprehended in the former. 
the requisites in the indictment seem to be an averment of an assault and the carrying away or transporting the party injured from his own country into another, unlawfully and against his will. It is not sufficient to charge the defendant with kidnapping generally. The indictment should state specifically the facts and circumstances which constitute the offense. In abduction and kidnapping, not only the mis misdoers themselves, but the procurers and those who wittingly receive the person so kidnapped or abducted for the purpose of concealment or imprisonment are frequently made principles by statute. And we will stop there. So today we went through abbreviatio plicitarum to abduction. So way two different words, two different definitions there. Um, thank you so much for joining me with today's encyclopedia challenge. Appreciate you being here. And if you enjoyed this, uh, please uh, like it, share it, uh, give me a comment. Are there any words you want to know more about? Any names? Um, is there a word that you like that we haven't gone over yet? Um, I am planning on doing a bonus podcast whenever I have five words to dive deeper into. Um, and for a full list of the words that we went over today, please visit theoaktreejourneys.com. And uh, you can comment uh, there. Just hit me up a line. Uh, if you've read the entire encyclopedia, I'm curious to know which set of encyclopedias have you read. Um, or are you like me? Did you start reading them and then just kind of taper away and eventually stop and tried to pick it back up but had a hard time doing so? But again, thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have a blessed day.